Welcome to this podcast by City Point Church, Redcliffe. We are so happy you could join us and pray that the following message will encourage and empower you. So good. Well, it's good to be in the house of God, isn't it? The Sunday before Christmas. 12 days till New Year, as Nicola so aptly put it. Who can believe it? And uh, we did say this morning, 2020 got a bad rap, but um, it is what it is, and there's gold in everything, and, and God is good all the time. Um, and so I'm excited to bring the word tonight. I'm preaching from paper, which is the first time in about 100 years. So here we go. 400 hampers just in our region. Can we just take a moment and consider that? And just for a moment, maybe imagine someone's living room right now, and maybe they're in the hamper right now. Lord, we just pray over every single one of those homes. We pray for blessing. We thank you that every item in that hamper was prayed over and believed for. Father, we thank you that it was the financial faith of your church that has put that into someone's home. And so we pray for blessing and we pray for a harvest in your kingdom, Lord. I pray it would be an answer. I pray that it would be a life-giving answer into every home this year at Christmas. And even tonight, as we're here worshipping you, maybe someone's going through their hamper right now. We just pray you'd quicken them, pray you'd bless them, you'd bless their home in Jesus' name. Continue to pray over those hampers. Amen. It's very exciting to be able to do that in our community. So 400 just in our region, but 1,600 across our city. I mean, sometimes figures are just so mind-boggling, right, that we can't really actually get our head around the significance of it. But God knows, and God knows the detail of every single person that received one of those hampers, every single person who went and gave up their time to pack them, Every single person who sowed financially, God knows all the details. Isn't that awesome? So awesome. All right. Well, we're heading into holidays. Some of you may have already had a bit of a break. Some of you are planning on having a break. Some of you might have that strange week between Christmas and New Year off where you actually don't know what day of the week it is. You know that week? (laughs) So that Sunday, next Sunday, we're just doing one service, okay, 9 a.m. and... um, I'll just give you a tidbit that's going to be an amazing service. Um, Amanda Jensen is preaching, and she is incredible. And it's going to be a bit of a celebration of, um, of the year, the year that we've had. And uh, so it's going to be awesome. But it is holiday time, and so I'm going to speak tonight on real rest. Real rest, because we live in a generation that is exhausted, And the problem is, we don't know how to rest well, let alone how to rest right. Did you know there's a right way to rest? So I'm going to talk about that tonight. I'm going to start with a story from my own life that I don't remember, but my mum tells me. And um, I was about, apparently about two, two and a half years old, and it was the midday nap. Anyone wish that someone would put them to bed at midday, right? good would it be to go back like so much to worry about like mum's gonna feed me mum's gonna dress me mum's gonna put me down for a nap and yet they protest about everything anyway I was about that age I was about that age and it was time for my midday nap and so the story goes 
that mum was putting me down for the midday nap and she would read to me every afternoon and every night, spoiled, right? And so we were Polish, so she was reading to me in Polish. Polish was my first language, which has nothing to do with the story except that, there you go. <laughs> and, um, and she was reading to me and then she left me and, and the routine kind of was that she would read to me and then leave me with the book to flick through and I'd fall asleep and have a nap. So it was winter time and, um, and so she kind of left me for about half an hour and came back just to make sure that the, the doona was on and that I wasn't cold. And when she went back into the room, I wasn't there. Like every mother's worst nightmare. So she's looking all around the room, couldn't find me. So she starts, you know, like you pick up the pace and you're like, okay, now I'm gonna go in this room, not in that room. She looked in every single room of the house and couldn't find me anywhere. So she goes out on the street and she's looking up and down the street. She runs up one end of the street calling out, runs out the other end of the street calling out, can't find me anywhere. She says it's about 10 or 15 minutes by now and 10 minutes when your child is missing feels like an eternity. And so she comes running back into the house and she's like, I'm gonna call the police. But just before she does, she gets that prompting and every mother knows what I'm talking about. That prompting, check under the bed. And so she looked under the bed and I was fast asleep under the bed. And what had happened was she'd left the book with me and as I was trying to maneuver it, it must have slipped between the wall and the bed. And so I hopped out and just decided to continue reading under the bed. And I was happy under there, sound asleep under there. Mum was struggling with, you know, heart issues, but I was okay. And, um, and so the story goes that, yeah, I was just under the bed and had my daytime sleep under there. But I want to talk today about rest because actually as adults, God, our Father, has actually instituted nap time for us. Did you know that? You're looking at me like you don't know. And I know that you don't know. And I know that the generation doesn't know because we're all exhausted. But God has actually instituted nap time and just like every two and a half year old, we're rebelling against it. And who knows when a two and a half year old doesn't have their nap time, nobody around them's happy. Right? I want to tell you, you need to go to your room and rest. We all need you to go to your room and rest. God needs you to go to your room and rest. And so I'm going to talk about real rest today because we're in a generation that's actually hungry for it but doesn't know how to do it. And so filling their lives with um, bucket lists and hobbies and binging Netflix and addicted to social media and sitting around, doing a lot of sitting around, doing a lot of seemingly nothing, and yet we're still exhausted. We're still exhausted. And so I started to explore this concept of rest because as I continued to accumulate children, I was more and more tired. (laughs) And so I needed to find out what did God say about rest? Surely if God's called me to a big life and I live a big life, I work and I'm in ministry and I travel and I have one, two, three, four children. Surely if God has called me to this, he's graced me for it. I need to find the grace for it. And so I started to explore this concept of rest. Where did it start? 
What is biblical rest? And you know, it started in the Garden of Eden, started way back in the beginning. But did you also know that it falls into, you may not know this, that there are more than 12 spiritual disciplines. So reading the word, worship, prayer, fasting, there are so many, there should be a list. I've only got 18 up there. But of them, rest falls into possibly four. Number four, simplicity. Number uh, 14, solitude. Number 17, silence. Number 18, celebration. And it also is one of the Ten Commandments. Did you know that? Okay, so don't kill anyone and take a rest. Why is rest, why is the Sabbath the forgotten Ten Commandments, one of the Ten Commandments? Why is it that we're like, yeah, yeah, lying's bad, murder's bad, adultery's bad, but not having a day off, that's, we can, it's actually one of the Ten Commandments. We should just close the service. It's actually one of the Ten Commandments. And so I want to talk tonight about real rest, because we need to know how to do it properly. My first point is this, that we have a choice. We either rest proactively or we recover reactively. It's either proactive rest or reactive recovery. Your choice. It's either proactive or reactive. It's either damage control or damage response. And so God, in his goodness, can I tell you, the longer you journey with Christ, the more you realize how smart and how kind God is. Because in his goodness, he has actually instituted rest. He literally said in the Ten Commandments, thou shalt have a nap. Keep the Sabbath day holy. Thou shalt rest. Because he's that good. He's that kind. And so if you want resource, a great book to read is Take the Day Off by Robert Morris. It's really, really, really good on the Sabbath. But all through the Old Testament, the Sabbath really is just this. It's one out of seven days every week that you rest. And he says in commandment number four that you shall take a Sabbath and keep it holy. One day every single week you rest. And so in the Old Testament, he talks about Sabbath. The Lord talks about sabbaticals, which are holidays. He talks about jubilees, which are celebrations and commemorative events where we stop and celebrate and we do it proactively as a worship. He talks about festivals and all sorts of things. But I want to illustrate this concept to you. So some of you may be familiar with the concept of the tithe where we give 10% of our income to the house of God. All right, many of us are already there. We've already reached that revelation and we're good. We're paying 10%. We're giving God a tenth. One is to 10, our money. And what we believe and what we know and live out of, because it's truth, is that when I give God 10%, he does more with my 90% than the world does with 100. He's good like that. And so people look at our lives and go, how on earth? And you're like, I pay my tithe. 
So God does more with my 90 than the world does with 100 because I give him 10%. Okay, so you've got that concept, right? The grace on the 90 because I give the 10. Now consider it in seven days. If I give him a day, his grace on the six will accomplish more than the world tries to do in seven. That's why God looks at Christian, the world should be able to look at us and go, you're not that smart, you're not that capable, you didn't come from a great background, how is it that you're effective? Well, I give God my Sabbath day and he multiplies the other six. That's supernatural capacity. I want to tell you, he only asks for one. He asks for one-tenth, he asks for one-seventh. You can trust God with the one. He's always been good with the one. He left the 99 to go after the one. He's always been good with the one. And so what we need to do is it's actually pride that stops us from tithing. It's actually pride that stops us from taking a Sabbath. You know, I just don't trust God. I actually need to work really, really hard seven days a week, 24 hours a day. But if we actually trust God, and give him that day, what he will do in your six will blow your mind and the minds of people around you. So it's really important for us to understand this. In Genesis 2, I suppose we should get to some scripture, right? In Genesis chapter 2, this is where it all started. So the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. So God had created everything. It was all done. And on the seventh day, God finished his work and he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from all the work of creation. So that the Sabbath day, that one day was instituted in the garden. So we need to be proactive. You're proactive when you, with your finance when you pay a tithe. You're proactive with your life when you take a Sabbath. It's proactive. Why? Because if God said it, it must be good for us. If God said it, he's going to be faithful in it. And we might kind of be a little bit awkward about it to start with. I really don't know if I can. I don't know how. You are not a victim to your own life. You design your life. You choose the life you have. Yes, things happen to us. I understand that. But for the most part, Our lives are a response to the things that happen to us. And so we need to be able to trust him and be proactive and go, no, you know what? This is what the word of God says, so this is what I'm going to do. It might be hard to start with, but it just takes consistency to build new normals in life, okay? So proactive rest versus reactive recovery. Another good book is Leading on Empty by Wayne Cadero. This is written by a man who actually suffered burnout, a Christian minister who suffered burnout. Amazing book. So if we, if we don't take proactive rest, we may then be dealing with a reactive recovery. And so what happens with if we don't take rest is because we're falling apart at the seams all the time, we become unreliable. So God has a mission and a purpose for your life that requires stamina, That requires that you're switched on. It requires that you're in your peak condition. 
But if you're not resting properly, you're falling apart all the time, you're suddenly unreliable in the kingdom of God and in his hand and among his family. And we're all meant to be going forward together, taking ground together. But if the person on my left and on my right is falling apart every three months, it's slowing me down and it's slowing down the kingdom. And so we actually have to do what God says because he's smart, because he has a plan and because it's good for us. And so in Exodus 31, 14, it says, you must keep the Sabbath day for it's a holy day for you. Listen, anyone who desecrates the Sabbath must be put to death. Heavy. Anyone who works on that day will be cut off from the community. Like there were some things that were just like, you know what, you shouldn't have done that, just offer a sacrifice. But not having a day off? Whoa. Hold the phone. Out of here or dead. And so this is Old Testament. New Testament, though, and hello, let's just open our eyes and look at the generation. Anyone who doesn't take a Sabbath will be put to death. The generation's dying. The generation is dying. There's this amazing quote. One of my favorite authors, Chesterton, says this. We can't actually break the commandments. We only break ourselves against them. You can't break God's commandment, but you can break yourself against it. And so not taking a Sabbath breaks you, not the commandment. It's powerful. So we either choose proactive rest or reactive recovery. Number two is you have to find your stride. You have to find your stride in life. You have to find your rhythm. Abraham Lincoln said this, things may come to those who wait, but only the things left behind by the ones who hustle. I love that. It's so true. You've got to hustle. You've got to hustle. The flip side of rest is work. You get that, right? Because there's two types of people. There are people who are killing themselves working hard, and then there are the other people who are doing nothing, and they're so lazy, and they're exhausted as well. Oh my gosh, some of the most exhausted people are lazy. And yet I look at athletes, right, and they're full of energy and they're working hard, right? So it's actually not necessarily the work that exhausts us, it's how we do it. You've got to find your stride. I want to tell you what your purpose is. Are you ready? Genesis 2, 15, the Lord placed the man in the garden to tend to it, to work it, to watch over it. We're designed to work. We're designed to hustle. We are purposed to be in the earth, working it, tending it, keeping watch over it. So Exodus 20 verse 8, remember and observe the Sabbath by keeping it holy. Verse 9, you have six days each week for your ordinary work. Come on now. Now I'm preaching. We work.
gaze and rest on one. And so this is important because this creates rhythm. This creates rhythm. The most exhausted people are the ones who have no routine and have no rhythm. And so you've got to find your stride. If you're going to work well and rest well, you have to find a stride. And everyone's different. And who knows that Doug's stride, because he's this much taller than me, is going to be bigger than my stride. So it's impossible for me to try to do Doug's stride in the natural, just like it's impossible for you and I try to do each other's stride in the spirit. But we do have to find our own stride. And the point is, you have six days each week for your ordinary work, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath dedicated to the Lord, that none of your household will do work. That includes you, your sons, your daughters, your male and female servants, even your livestock. (laughs) So even your pet dog can have a day off, but work him the other six days, okay? So find your stride, hustle for six days, and rest for one. Aimless wanderers, I've noticed, are exhausted all the time, but purposed and disciplined athletes are energetic. They're energetic. Stephen King wrote this, amateurs sit and wait for inspiration, the rest of us just get up and go to work. Zig Ziglar, one of my favorites. Who's read Zig Ziglar? If you have not, just Google Zig Ziglar and read away. Outstanding people have one thing in common, an absolute sense of mission. Do you have a sense of mission? Do you wake up with hustle? Do you wake up with mission and purpose? So we have to find our stride, find our rhythm. Did you know daily rhythms, weekly rhythms, annual rhythms, plan, 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 plan. Have a look at yourself, have a look at your year, monitor yourself, become self-aware and go, I function the best at this time of the day. I function really well in summer. Or school holidays are a write-off for me because I have children that, you know, look at yourself Be aware of yourself and plan and figure out your stride. Find your stride. So I want to tell you just quickly my routine. So Monday to Friday, 5 a.m., Bible for an hour. During the school holidays, I journal as well because I have more time. So during the term, I'm just highlighting, underlining, scribbling in the margins. School holidays, I'm writing three or four pages a day. My most productive time of the day is between five and seven. So that's when I read my Bible, I journal, I um, draft (laughs) pastoral text messages to people because nobody wants a text from Carolina at 5 a.m. Or maybe you do. Danny's like, I'll take one. Um, I draft emails. Sometimes I can't wait and I just press send at seven. But I just know that's my most productive time. I'm so productive at that time. And my senses spiritually are so heightened at that time. 
I'm hearing about people I need to care for at 5 a.m. more than I'm hearing about them at 3. At 3, I ain't caring about nobody. <laughs> at 5.30, I'm like, oh, yes, no, that's right. I need to draft a text to that person. I'm fresh, I'm spiritually heightened, and I'm productive from 5 till 7. And so three days a week, when it's not COVID and when we don't have excuses, Danny and I are at the gym, all right? So three days a week from six till seven, we're at the gym. 7 a.m., we're back. I'm back and breakfast with the family. We get ready for work and school. Then we're at work. Then we do school pickup. 5 p.m. every night is dinner on the table. We have never done TV dinners, ever, because family time is so important and because etiquette around a table, guys, with a knife and a fork, is a lost art. I don't know how many times a week I say, sit on your chair properly. Every night, 5 p.m., 5.30 latest, dinner. 7 p.m., getting ready for bed or in bed. 8 p.m., Sam and I are finally going, hi, what's your name? Oh, I'm Sam. I'm Carolina. Nice to meet you. And then we're in, I try to get to bed at around 9, 9.30. 10 is really too late if I want to be bright at 5 a.m. So we do all our extracurricular stuff for sport and all those things during the week, weekdays, so that I can Sabbath on Saturday and serve on Sunday. I've decided what my priorities are. And so Saturday is our Sabbath. So Saturday, five, six, I'm still reading my Bible. I'm still down there doing that in the media room on my own unless Judah pulls up next to me. And um, breakfast, it's a family day. So minimal social media, minimal work, family time, no sport, none, you know, we try to minimize too many social engagements. Can I tell you when I'm the most exhausted? Not when I'm working a lot. But when my social demands and keeping up with the Joneses is filling my head, that's actually when I'm the most exhausted. Because trying to keep up with God is nothing compared to trying to keep up with the Joneses. I'll leave that there. Sunday, 5 a.m., I'm up and ready. We do three services. 6 a.m., we have breakfast. 6.30, Sam's out the door with our three older children who all have serving capacities here in the church. And then 7.30, I leave with Jesse, and he's like begging me every week, can I go with Dad yet? No, not yet. Bide your time. And so I just want to make this point as well, that we chose not to do sport on the weekends. And this isn't for everybody, but I do want to say this is what we've decided. Because I feel like this will give permission to someone. I decided really early that unless my children are going to be Olympians then I will not allow sport to take them out of the house of God. Because everything that I do or don't do speaks a value to them. And the reason I made this decision is because Sam and I were in youth ministry for 14 years. And the amount of parents who sat with us because 16-year-old Johnny didn't want to know Jesus, and they would ask us why, and we had to sit there and bite our tongues and say, well... 
you actually treated church as a negotiable non-priority. Everything else was more important. Soccer was more important. The beach was more important. And then you wonder, when he's 16, why he's not wanting to come to church with you. Listen, I have nothing against sport. My kids all play sport during the week. They're not going to the Olympics. And I do know kids who are Olympics, <laughs> who are Olympic standard. Maybe Jesse, maybe. Or Ma or Layla for basketball. But um, my point is, my point is, there are so many opportunities during the week. And we actually just need to make decisions. We actually just have to make decisions. So my kids know they just aren't going to play sport on the weekend because there are plenty of opportunities during the week. They serve in the house of God on the weekend. During the week, they play instruments, they play sport. Is it harsh? I don't know. I've seen too many young people fall away. So I'm just trying it this week. I'll let you know how it goes. So Sundays are a non-negotiable, a.m. and p.m., because there are a lot of kids who only ever see Sunday school, which is fine, but then when we want to integrate them to the service, they have no idea what's going on. So a.m. and p.m., non-negotiable. Okay, so often I'll put a slow cooker on at midday so that when we get home, dinner's ready. When I was a young adult... I had discipleship opportunities booked every single Sunday after every single service. And I was not a pastor. I was just someone with a mission. I was someone with a revelation. God saved me. I need to share this around. And so every single Sunday after every service, I was taking people out afterwards and loving on them and paying for coffee and talking to them about Jesus when I became a young mum and I was stuck in the mother's room, I was suddenly self-appointed mother's room ministry coordinator. <laughs> and every single woman in that mother's room, every single Sunday, got the pastoral care she deserved, praise the Lord. <laughs> and then during the week, I was meeting with them at Lollipop's Playland. <laughs> you better believe it. You need to just if you have mission, it doesn't matter what season you're in. You hustle. You hustle. And so we need to know our rhythms. We need to know our seasons. So weekly rhythms, annual rhythms. Can I tell you, please book a regular holiday every year. Term time versus holiday time. Plan, plan, plan. Routine, routine, routine. Routine is your friend. It's like the young mum. It's actually quite hilarious. Every mum that I hear about, that fall, every woman who falls pregnant in our church that I hear about, we give them a book called Baby Wise while they're pregnant. And Baby Wise is all about routine. <sighs> so many mums say to me six months after they've had a baby, the baby's just not sleeping. Did you read the book? No, no, I didn't agree with it. See in two years. See in two years. Just like a baby who has no routine is not going to sleep well, 
no matter what you do. Demand feeding is, let's not go there. Routine helps a child. Routine helps an adult. If we're going to rest well in life, we need to find our hustle, we need to find our stride, we need to plan, and we need to be proactive, not reactive. If we don't plan, if we don't routine, if we don't do proactive, then we are going to be reactive all the time. Pastor Mark always says, you either manage your money or you manage a money crisis. You either manage your health or you manage a health crisis. You either manage your time or you're going to manage a time crisis. And so it's really important for us to find our stride. And so what I'm saying is this, is just have a purpose. Have a purpose. Hustle six days, rest one. Hustle all year and plan good breaks. Have a purpose. Okay, now, how? Because you're all going, okay, how? How do I rest? What is rest? My last point is this, is that it's communion-based rest. Not communion as in the little emblems we just took. Communion as in, what does communion mean? It means community. It means engaging with a person. So communion-based rest means your rest is your time to connect with God. That's rest. Because you can have a day off each week and just binge Netflix and you will not be rested. That's not rest. Rest is communion with God. That's rest. On the seventh day, he rested. I asked myself, why did God rest? Like, does God get tired? I don't think God gets tired. He rested because he had made the pinnacle of his creation, man, and he wanted to hang out. That's rest. Rest is hanging out with God. The whole purpose of the Sabbath was that God could hang out with Adam. And you are refreshed only when you commune with God. Everything else is a drain. Everything else. Genesis 2, by the seventh day, he ceased what he was doing, verse 3, and he blessed the seventh day and made it holy. And so the first holiday, the first holy day, was actually that day, a Sabbath day. In Genesis 3, it talks about how Adam and Eve heard God walking in the garden. And at that point, they'd already fallen and sinned. But putting that aside, they heard him, which means they were in a habit of walking with him in the garden. They knew what this time of the day was. They knew what this meant. They heard God. And he started going, where are you? Where are you guys? And they were hiding from him. They were hiding from him. He had a habit of visiting with man. The Sabbath is holy because it is a connection between God and man. And that's what rest truly is. It's communion with God. He chooses rest so that you can connect with him. Community. It means relationship, connection. It means hospitality. 
When we eat the emblems, it's the bread and the cup. It's a symbol of hospitality. So think about hospitality. What happens when you host someone at your home? You prepare a space for them, you wait on them, you engage with each other. This is what we're doing when we're connecting with God. We're hosting each other. We're engaging with each other. It's a sacrificial connection because that cup and that bread represents a broken body and a poured out blood. And so when we're in communion with God, it's sacrificial connection. He has sacrificed and we too are sacrificing in order to connect. And so how? Well, it's in Jesus. So the chronological Bible currently is in the book of Hebrews. And in Hebrews 3, it actually talks about the Old Testament people of God and and how they didn't observe the Sabbath. And it says this in chapter 3 of Hebrews. So we see that because of their unbelief, they were not able to enter his rest. They weren't able to believe him, to trust him with their six days. And so they weren't able to enter the rest that he had prescribed for them. Chapter 4, verse 3 says this. I'm going to read the whole bit to you. Chapter 4, verse 3 to 11. For only we who believe can enter his rest. As for the others, God has said, in my anger I took an oath and they will not enter my place of rest, even though this rest has been ready since he made the world. We know it is ready because of the place in the scriptures where it mentions the seventh day that he rested from his work. But in the other passages, God said that they will never enter my place of rest. Verse 6. So God's rest is there for people who enter. But those who first heard the good news failed to enter because they disobeyed God. And God set another time for entering his rest. And that time is today. Jesus. Jesus. Because of Jesus that rest is available. God announced it through David much later in the words already quoted, today when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Don't think you know better than God. Don't think you can do your seven days better than he can. Don't harden your hearts when you hear his voice. Now if Joshua had succeeded in giving them this rest, God wouldn't have spoken about another day of rest that is still to come. So there is a special rest still waiting for the people of God. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors, just as God did after creating the world. So let us do our best to enter that rest. But if we disobey God, as the people of Israel did, we will fall. How? Matthew 11, Jesus' words to you. Are you tired, worn out, burnt out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a rest. Walk with me and binge. No, no. Walk with me and 
work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn how to live freely and lightly in Jesus. You know, we can miss it if we harden our hearts, if we have rebellious hearts, because you know what? Jesus has done it all. He's done all the work and he is the fulfillment of that future day of rest. And so we come into rest when we come into Jesus. So what is rest? Rest is communion with Jesus. Accepting his unforced rhythms of grace. Because he's done all the work, he says, come and work with me. You won't feel burdened. There won't be anything ill-fitting on you. Yeah, you're going to work. It is a hustle. You are meant to do that. But it's not going to be so burdensome that it will break you. Come to me and work with me. You know, the interns asked me this year, how do you stir a discipline in yourself for the Word of God, to love the Word, to get up at five and do that? It's in Jesus, honestly. When He's waiting for you at 5 a.m., when you know you're meeting with Him, you're not meeting with black and white print, you're meeting with Jesus. When you know He's waiting for you, you don't have to stir anything. You don't have to rev anything up. I'm waking up at five because I know who's waiting for me. And I can't wait, honestly, to get there. And the downloads in the quiet of the day, in the quiet of the morning, and it's like he's got me alone. Finally, it's like the only hour he's got me alone. He's talking. He's ministering. He's restoring. I don't have to stir anything up. I remember sitting with Tina McChrystal, one of my mentors, and she tells me the stories of the pouring out of the Spirit and the miraculous. And she sat there this one time with tears streaming down her face. And she said these words to me, Carolina, when you've seen it, you'll never settle for anything less. Nothing else will ever be enough. I want to tell you, you don't have to crank up a desire to rest with Christ, to take a day off, to spend time in the Word. When you've seen it, you won't want anything else. You won't want anything else. Thank you for listening. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. This is the beginning of a life-changing journey. We encourage you to tell someone about your decision and pray and read the Bible every day. We also recommend attending a church in your local area. We have many City Point Church services across Brisbane and the world this Sunday. You can find out more about our service times and locations at citypointchurch.com. We are so excited to see you there.